bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need the legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, April 26, 2011. This week, Novogratik Company is hosting the Financing Renewable Energy Conference in San Francisco, California. Renewable energy experts will discuss the future of renewable energy tax credits, as well as the Section 1603 cash grant program, and of course, the future of Section 48 Cap C. We'll also be discussing tax reform and much more. I hope to see you there. I'll be part of a Washington Wire panel on Thursday morning. I'll start this week's podcast with renewable energy news. Most notably, a recent article by the Washington Examiner that's critical of the Section 1603 cash grant program. I'll also discuss a state-level update about the Business Energy Tax Credit in Oregon, or the Betsy. In our local housing tax credit discussion, I'm pleased to congratulate the winners of the Affordable Housing Tax Credit Coalition's Charles Edson Awards. I'll also share new details about HUD's Small Area Fair Market Rent, FMR, demonstration program. Turning to historic tax credit news, I have good news for tax credit professionals who missed the webinar about the Virginia Historic Tax Credit Fund case. And I have a state-level update on historic tax credits in Maryland. And finally, in new market tax credit matters, I'll briefly describe some of the features of Novogratz and Company's new new market tax credit qualifying census tracts mapping tool. And then I'll close today with a few thoughts as to what to expect next week when Congress returns from their current recess. If you're ready, let's get started. In renewable energy tax credit news, I start with an article from the Washington Examiner. In an article entitled, quote, Boondoggle and Tax Code, Subsidies for Green Energy, close quote, writer Timothy Carney takes President Obama to task with what he said a few weeks ago with respect to deficit-cutting efforts. The writer notes in his article that President Obama said that he wanted to trim, quote, spending in the tax code. It's with this entreaty that the writer takes aim at the Section 1603 cash grant program. The writer suggests that the Section 1603 cash grant program is the type of tax code spending that should be cut. Now, President Obama suggested trimming about $1 trillion over the next 12 years in such so-called tax code spending or tax expenditures. This $1 trillion would be over the next 12 years. Now, current tax code spending or tax expenditures are about $1.2 trillion a year. As such, President Obama was considering or suggesting cutting annual tax code spending by less than 10%. That said, as we do approach debt limit increases and deficit reduction talks, you can't expect more pieces like this on all different types of tax code provisions, including the ones that the listeners of this podcast are most interested in. 
It'll take eternal vigilance in order to preserve the tax credits that we work with. As you see articles like this, I would encourage you to send a copy to me, michael.novogradic at novoco.com. Now turning to the state level, last week the Oregon Department of Energy announced that it has implemented temporary rules clarifying how the Section 1603 cash grant in low renewable energy tax credits is deducted from business energy tax credit project costs. The business energy tax credit program deducts federal grants from project costs, but it does not deduct federal tax credits. However, all incentives, including federal tax credits, are factored into a Betsy application to ensure that those incentives do not exceed total project costs. Because the Section 1603 program is called a grant in lieu of a tax credit, Oregon's Department of Energy says that Betsy applicants were uncertain whether or not to deduct any Section 1603 funds they might receive. The temporary rules clarify the definition of a federal grant, and 1603 funds are considered a grant. The Oregon Department of Energy says it has reviewed current Betsy applications to ensure that any Section 1603 funds have been calculated correctly. Betsy applicants who have also applied for or received the Section 1603 grant in lieu of federal tax credit and who have questions about their application for Betsy's should contact Anthony Buckley at 503-373-7400. Permanent rulemaking is expected to take place later this summer. To read a real-world example as to how this rule may play out for developers of renewable energy projects in Oregon, I invite you to pick up a copy of the April issue of the Novogratz Journal of Tax Credits. An article in that issue describes how BioGreen Sustainable Energy Company is working to open its first biomass energy project in the Pacific Northwest. Among the decisions that BioGreen faced at the time of the article was whether to take the Section 1603 grant, which would generate between 20 and $22.5 million for the project, and lose its $10 million bets allocation, or try to find an equity investor for the investment tax credits. So if you're not already a subscriber to the journal, you can request a copy. Simply call 415-356-7960, or you can send an email to products at nomaco.com. And if you have any questions about the Betsy, please call Nicolo Pinoli. He's in our Portland, Oregon office. In historic tax credit news, I want to remind you that even if you missed the live webinar, you can still hear tax credit experts, CPA Rob Testman, one of my partners, as well as attorneys Bill Machen and Glenn Graff, discuss the important Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals opinion in the Virginia Historic Tax Credit Fund case. As listeners know, the appeals court reversed an earlier tax court case favorable to state historic tax credit investors. This reversal has considerable implications for real estate developers and state tax credit investors. The panelists in our webinar discussed the court's reasoning in concluding that the tax credit fund had sold the state tax credits to its investors. They also explore the possible effects of the court's analysis on other tax credit investment structures. As this ruling does have repercussions for more than just state historic tax credits. You can purchase a replay of the webinar online at www.novaco.com backslash events. After the webinar, if you have follow-up questions about what the appeals court decision might mean for your tax credit investment, I would encourage you to call my partner, Rob Tessman, at 415-356-8000. 
At the state level, we have an update regarding the Maryland Sustainable Communities Tax Credit. On April 12th, Governor Martin O'Malley approved three changes to the Maryland's Sustainable Communities Tax Credit Program. The Sustainable Communities Tax Credit Program provides income tax credits based on a percentage of the qualified capital costs expended in the rehabilitation of certified historic structures and qualified rehabilitated structures. The program was authorized in May of 2010, and $9 million is available for the program in fiscal year 2012. The tax credit applies to both residential and commercial buildings. Certified historic structures receive a 20% credit, high-performance commercial buildings receive a 25% credit, and non-historic structures receive a 10% credit. The changes approved on April 12th are expected to make it easier for commercial projects to claim the tax credit. At present, a developer owner must apply for the tax credits before beginning work on their projects. On July 1, that's going to change for commercial projects. House Bill 601 allows the program director to accept applications for commercial projects that are already under development, provided the building has been approved for federal historic tax credits. In addition, House Bill 877 preserves funding for high-need areas that receive priority funding under the law. Areas designated as priority funding areas on June 1, 2010 retain their designations. Other areas will be excluded from priority funding. Additionally, HB 877 replaces obsolete references to designated neighborhoods with the phrase sustainable communities, and it clarifies the definitions of what that term means. The changes under HB 877 take effect on June 1. Finally, the governor also signed HB 1196, allowing the Maryland Historical Trust, which administers the program, to, to increase administrative fees. Copies of these bills have been posted online at www.historictaxcredits.com. If you have questions with respect to an historic tax credit project in Maryland or other location across the country, I'd encourage you to contact my partner, Tom Bosha, in our Cleveland, Ohio office. In local housing tax credit news, I'd like to take this opportunity to congratulate the winners of the 17th annual Charles L. Edson Tax Credit Excellence Awards. The Edson Awards recognize outstanding low-income housing tax credit developments. Each year, nominations are encouraged and may be made by state allocating agencies, government agencies, national and local nonprofits, syndicators, investors, and developers. The Affordable Housing Tax Credit Coalition last week announced the names of the seven first-place finishing properties and seven honorable mentions for the 2011 awards. Judges selected this year's winners from a pool of 48 applications from 21 states. The seven categories that are recognized by the Edson Awards are 1. Metropolitan or Urban Housing, 2. Rural Housing, 3. Special Needs Housing, 4. Senior Housing, 5. Green Housing, 6. Public Housing Revitalization, and 7. Disaster Relief Housing. Each winner will be recognized at a luncheon ceremony on May 11th in Washington, D.C. You can find a complete list of awardees on the Coalition's website at www.taxcreditcoalition.org. In HUD-related news, last week, HUD invited public housing agencies in metropolitan areas to participate in its Small Area Fair Market Rent Demonstration Project. The project is designed to give Section 8 voucher holders 
access to a broader range of neighborhoods and prevent undue subsidy in lower-rent neighborhoods. HUD said last May that it would operate the pilot project for its Section 8 Housing Choice Voucher Program in selected metropolitan areas. At that time, HUD also requested public comments on the best way to implement the program for metropolitan areas nationwide. Last week's notice included both the public comments HUD received and the agency's responses to those comments. Most of the comments were supportive of the small area FMR demonstration project, noting that it provides real benefits to voucher holders. HUD said it plans to operate the demonstration program until at least fiscal year 2013, before proposing nationwide implementation. Metropolitan public housing agencies that wish to volunteer for this demonstration program should submit a letter to HUD by June 6th. HUD expects to make its selections by July 1st. A copy of last week's notice is available online at www.hudresourcecenter.com. If you have additional questions, I'd encourage you to contact Susan Wilson, a partner in our Austin, Texas office. In new market tax credit news, Novogratz and Company recently unveiled a new online mapping tool that displays eligible areas for the new market tax credit. The widget, created by PolicyMap, helps investors, developers, and entrepreneurs determine qualified new market tax credit locations. Users can view NMDC eligibility based on primary criteria, namely poverty rates, family income, and unemployment. Users can also browse by certain secondary eligibility criteria, including whether or not a site is included in a brownfield location or whether or not it's located in a medically underserved area. The mapping widget also includes data about specific new market tax credit investments previously made around the country. Nuvergarten Company is encouraging NMTC industry participants to complete a mapping tool participation form to allow them to share additional data points for inclusion. Now, there is an introductory video available on our website to walk users through the tool's many features. So I invite you to try this new tool today. It's free. Just go to www.novaco.com and click on the button that says NMTC Mapping Tools. You can also submit questions or comments about the tool to cpas at novaco.com or contact my partner, Brad Elphick, at 678 867 2333. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. Please join me again next week for another Tax Credit Tuesday. Congress is back in session next week, and political posturing will begin aplenty regarding the debate on increasing the debt limit as well as reduce the federal deficit. We also are awaiting a deficit reduction proposal from the Gang of Six in the Senate as well as the first meeting between congressional representatives and Vice President Biden. The talks with Vice President Biden are bipartisan, bicameral talks aimed to achieve deficit reduction. The first meeting will be Thursday, May 5th. We'll call this group the Gang of Seven, as we have Vice President Biden and two Democratic senators, one Republican senator, two Democratic House members, and one Republican House member all joining in the talks. Based upon what we're hearing from two members of the Gang of Seven, I'm not sure how fruitful their talks are going to be. One member, House Majority Leader Eric Cantor, a Republican, has said, 
And I quote, I'm at a loss to understand what the purpose is, close quote. Another member of the Gang of Seven, Representative Chris Van Hollen, a Democrat, in response to the question as to whether or not the deficit reduction talks with Vice President Biden is just a diversion while an agreement is quietly negotiated elsewhere, said, this is Representative Van Hollen, said, and I quote, well, I guess we'll have to ask the Vice President the answer to that question. The jury's still out. Close quote. With all that said, all I can say is tune in next week. There's more to come. This is Michael Novogratik. I'll be back next Tuesday. Thanks for listening.